Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Grecian's Gossip. Uh, I'm joined by the usual crowd, David Byram. Hello. Dan Clark. Hello. And Jamie Hawkins. Hello. Um, right, plenty to discuss, so let's uh, crack on. I mean, we'll start off with the, the game at the weekend, um, Akron's and Stanley 2-0 win for Exeter City. Um, Jamie, you were covering that match for us. What did you make of it? 2-0 fair score on? Yeah, could have been more, actually. Um, I think the Atkinson manager, John Coleman, said it could have been um, a lot more. Yeah, it was a very comfortable win in the end. Um, disappointed by Atkinson, who had been you know, up there this season at the top. I think they went into it eight games unbeaten, something like that. So, um, you know, I think we all expected a, a really tough game. Um, and in the end, it turned out to be the complete opposite. And, um, you know, good goals as well. Um, you know, Huran Bogutin, who was superb on, on Saturday, you know, by far man of the match, um, scored a brilliant goal just on the stroke of our time, which was a crucial time to score, of course. Um, I wouldn't have said that would have you know, changed the way the game played out. I think we would have won anyway. Um, and um, yeah, it was a really comfortable afternoon and a great way to bounce back from a, a really disappointing uh, week. You know, Tisdale said he was you know, looking for a response and he certainly got one on Saturday. And um, you know, I think the most pleasing thing was the results against the top teams haven't been good this season. You know, losing to Coventry, Notts County, and Luton. So to pick up a win against a team like Accrington, who will probably be up there um, this season, is is very pleasing. And um, you know, it gives the whole place a lift as um, you know the crowd. You know, certainly got behind the players on Saturday. Mm. David, I mean, how how crucial do you think that? That win was relatively early in the season, but the fact it keeps them in touch with with the teams above them like that. I think that that's a key point. Yeah, you know, if City had lost, they'd have been ten points behind Accrington and you know probably further behind and not counting Luton. And you know, so it, it keeps them in touch, but moves them within you know within a point now of, of Accrington. And I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think next up Luton playing Notts County as well. So that would be a be a big game in itself, and that gives City a chance to perhaps you know close a gap on them as well. So. With the way the fixture the poison at the moment, I think it was it was really important, and, you know, a, a positive way to get back to winning ways after after two disappointing results as well. Mm. And positive performance as well as results as well, which I guess lends you the confidence. Exactly, yeah, well. yeah. You know, to beat one of your promotion rivals team, now you can't really complain with that, can you? Mm. Yeah. Um, a lot of talk about formations. I mean, I think that much. Saw Tisdale go three five two. Dan, I mean, do you, do you think that's there to stay now for City? I think the fact that it was the formation last night as well in the Checker Trade Trophy tie, even though the players actually picked didn't really suit a three-five-two at all, but he's still stuck with that system. Suggests at least for the next three or four games, that's how he's going to go. That's how he wants to he wants to play. And it obviously worked on Sat. It worked on Saturday, and it looks like you know he's worked in the past. Obviously, that the system for extra no. You know, two or three times he's gone. He's gone back to that three-five-two. It's working. It looks like you, you you've got the players who can do it. Particularly, given the, the actual wide men in you know Lee Holmes, 
and Co out injured at the minute anyway means there's not really a, a lot of wingers around. I mean, you've got the centre, you know, you get the Moxie and Wilson at wing, wing backs, looks more in a kind of natural role for them. You know, centre backs, if everyone's fit, you've got Pierce Sweeney, Moore Taylor, Brown, and that looks like a, a solid back three. Obviously, Troy Brown's injury might throw a, a bit of a spanner in the works and have to you know, rethink how he's going to do that. But it allows you to get the midfield in the side as well. You get you can get all of Boateng, Taylor and James in the, in that side. Obviously, Tilson could come in, Harley could come in if, if when they return to fitness. And you can get the you know, two men up front without sacrificing a little bit in the midfield. It does sort of suit the players that Exeter have got at the minute. And I'd expect us to definitely see it for the next couple of games at the very least. And then, you know, if it works, go from there. If not, you might need to make the changes. But 3-5-2 has worked in the past and there's no reason why it can't work in the future. It definitely worked at the weekend. So mm. it's also the system in vogue, I suppose, throughout the country at the minute. Three at the back, so. Jamie, can you, 3-5-2, is that the future as far as you're concerned? Yeah, I think it needed changing up because the last few weeks hadn't really been working. Um, you know, Craig Woodman's been slightly out of form lately, so he was rightly, in my opinion, you know, dropped on, on Saturday. So, you know, there was a question of who would play there and, and Moxie filled in, albeit a wing-back. And, you know, I think it didn't seem to work at first, for the first few minutes on Saturday. I think Sweeney struggled to, to adapt to it. Um, but by the end, he was, you know, completely lucky he'd been playing there for years, really. And, um, you know, it got Moxie and, and Wilson um, the space to, to run forward and Wilson... You know, the second half he was brilliant. He made so many runs down the right hand side, gave the Aquitan left back a hard time, and yeah, it seemed to work. You know, brilliantly. And um, you know, obviously there's a question about Troy Brown, how bad his injury is. But I thought Troy Archibald-Hemville, apart from Boateng, was the best player on the pitch by far. There was, I felt sorry for him because there was a lot of nervousness in a way when he came on. People thinking, oh no, because this season he hadn't really been playing well, although he hadn't been playing much, but. He was brilliant when he came on, and um, you know, very much the the Troy of old that we we grew to to know and love. Um, so yeah, very promising. And um, like I said, it, it was a packed midfield, which I think we had been struggling in, in recently. I think James and, and Boateng had struggled to to get a grip of the the middle of the pitch, and um, arguably that's where the game's been lost, I suppose, in the midfield. So. Yeah, based on, on Saturday, um, keep it going. Yeah. Mm. David, is there anyone who kind of misses out if, if Tiz decides to, to keep with 352? Um not at the moment, I wouldn't say, you know, with uh, with because of, of injuries and that that sort of thing, there's no one really that you would think, well, they should definitely come into the team if, if you know, at the moment. But you know, when players return to fitness, players like Lee Holmes would be one, for example, you know, you couldn't really see fitting into a, a 3 5 two, 2 well because, you know, he's not so much of a wing-back. Um, then there's obviously, you know, the, the whole striker conundrum of Reed and Reed, Liam McElhinden and, and Jaden Stockley, but that would happen in a 4 4 2 as well. So I don't think so. I mean, I've been keen to see what a 3 5 2 would be like for a while for City, to be honest. Um, because you know, I, I think they've got the players to do it and that sort of thing, and it's it's worked on Saturday. So I think for the moment, you know, Paul Tiz hasn't want, want to change a, a, a winning formation either. And I don't think he's 
view it as players missing out more as you know giving players a chance to, to impress in, in a new formation mm, okay. taking credit for uh, Tisdale's <laughs> tactical <laughs> master <laughs> um, uh, you were David at the, um, the the Chelsea game on Tuesday night the, uh, the defeat the under 21s in the Chequito Trophy um, do you want to tell us a bit about that I mean I, City took the lead, didn't they? I think right. So yeah. and sort of fell away towards the end. Yeah, uh, took the lead, gave away a soft goal to equalise just before half time, and second mm. half they didn't play too badly. But Chelsea, as you'd expect from a from a young team, were just better in both boxes. Really, you know, City had apart from Ruben Reed and, and, and Craig Woodman and, and Ryan Harley, Ryan Harley in the first half had um, you know quite a young team out themselves. So I think they they put up quite a decent battle against this this Chelsea side to. You know, had an under-17 World Cup winner in there. They've had players, I think, under-17 Euro winner as well. And so, you know, this wasn't a, a Chelsea team to be sniffed at, really. And so, um, I think, you know, they, they put up a good effort. And uh, they can sort of hold their heads high. And, you know, I think the, the value that Paul Tisdale placed on the, the competition is probably evident in the fact that Archie Collins, an attacking midfielder, played centre-back, a position he'd never played before. And a position, position Paul Tisdale said afterwards he'd never play again. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I think that sort of sums up how Paul Tisdale's view on it. It was more to give players game time and more to give young players a, a chance and you know to, to give them a chance to, to run the run his eye over some young players. So uh, I don't think anyone's too downhearted or, or disappointed with it. Perhaps you know you can perhaps think, oh, Craig Woman hasn't done himself any favours with with the first goal, especially. But um, I think he wouldn't have started on Saturday anyway, so uh, there's sort of nothing, nothing too major there. Mm. Dan, you're at the the game as well. I mean, I think like David alluded to just then, Tiz and everyone at City probably won't be losing too much sleep about being out of the competition. But um, I mean, the nature of the goals in particular, they, I gather they were quite disappointing. Yeah, I mean, the first goal is just um, it's a little bit, it's just a soft back pass from Woodman. It's just not quite got enough on it. And, you know, Heyman just doesn't get, you know, he's quick off his line to pretty much everything else all night, other than that one moment. And, uh, you know, Callum hudson Adoy gets there first and puts the ball into the empty net. And, you know, we looked a threat all night. And, as you'd expect from, you know, some of the Chelsea's talented youngsters. And the second goal is just, you know, you really wouldn't expect someone to be left free at the back post from a corner. You know, and the, and the third goal, Heyman get, he gets two hands to it. And you, you feel if you've got two hands to it, you should be keeping it out really rather than you know going to the back and it's just sort of, you know Chelsea were the better side of you know it was their kids against Exeter's kids really and you'd expect Chelsea's kids to to be a lot better but it's just I think the goals just looked a little bit you know too you know avoid avoidable in the sense that that's not how you know if you're going to concede you can concede goals you wouldn't have thought you know a set piece a sloppy back pass you know you know, cross coming into the box with the kind of goals you'd expect. You'd expect it to be, you know, good play and just beaten that you couldn't do much, much about. And I think Exeter perhaps would be a little disappointed that other than Ruben Reed's, you know, well taken early goal that they didn't really test, you know, Chelsea too much. You know, going going the other way. I mean, I can't really recall you know, Chelsea's keeper making any kind of saves really in the whole game. He didn't look, you know, a hundred percent confident in. What he was doing, something you know, in the general play, but they just didn't test him at all, and you know, perhaps you know, you know, it's a little bit of a, you know, a black mark against some of the attackers that, okay, they're, you know, they're Chelsea's youngsters, they are, you know, some of the best in England, some of the best in Europe, but 
you'd have expected a little bit more perhaps going forward than Exeter than than what they got, and you know, they sort of went almost too defensive, left Ruben Reid far too isolated up front on his own for, for large parts of the game, but I don't think anyone's too too downhearted, it's been a, you know, a trip to Milton Keynes in the next round anyway, it'd be hard to see Exeter coming through that as it is, so you know, just almost got to think, players have got game time, some of the youngsters you know, made a debut and you know, forget about it, Ruben Reid's got his goal, move on to the FA Cup and try and go through that. Mm. Well, David, you caught up with, with Paul Tizzle after the game, so let's listen to what uh, he had to say about it. It was 90 minutes for one or two players who really needed it. Ruben and Craig Woodman and Carl and MJ, who were on the fringe of the first team on Saturday and who need to play. So, good 90 minutes for those players. Um, and really impressed with the two young players who came on on the hour mark. Joel Randall and Will Dean both really sort of stepped into the game and it was a really positive moment for those two players so well done those, uh, those two and you know generally it was a it was a different type of game than we normally play it was, it was a tough challenge for us bear in mind I wanted to get certain players on the pitch and had to really sort of uh, manipulate things to get those players on the pitch today and uh, conceded a soft first goal but that was a disappointing one we were 1-0 up and that was a really soft goal so that was disappointing but generally pleased to get the game to the legs of one or two players. Um, it's nice to see those young players come on the pitch, and uh, those one or two players I thought played really well, like Jordan Story, for example, who's, who had the strength of athleticism to cope with their players, and I think made another step forward in his, his progress today. He handed a num- number of debuts um, today as well, um, one from the start, Archie Collins, playing in an uh, unfamiliar position as well in, in right side centre half. Yeah, I don't think he plays centre half too often. I mean, again, I. There were, there were 11 players that I wanted to play and I had to find a way to get them all on the pitch and there was a, there was a compromise somewhere and that was uh, centre back and he ended up playing number 10 off the front so it was one of those days today it was a, it was a, um, a, a challenge in just manipulating the team and getting all those players onto the pitch and football under their belts and you know, I'm, I'm you know, disappointed to lose any game in football but it was, a, it was a very difficult game on a difficult pitch and um, the players work pretty And then you mentioned their step forward for John Story, a, a, a step forward as well for um, Kane Wilson, who provided uh, a lovely cross for Ruben Reid. Yeah, he's, he had another good game, and he's, he's uh, he played on Saturday. I wanted him to have some football today, um, but I, was, I didn't want him to go much further than the hour mark um, Saturday, Forest Green on the horizon. So, um, I'd, I'd love to have stayed on the pitch, but Saturday was the priority. Yeah, and, and just finally, Ryan Harley fought five minutes for him as well. I forgot about Ryan, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he is some he, he is a, you know, some athlete to be able to run around like he did with the balance that he's, he, he showed tonight for 45 minutes, having not played a game since August. Um, really impressed, and, as always, with his application, his work rate, and uh, one of the best defenders I've had at Exeter. He showed up tonight in the first half. He was, he was sublime in his position of play. And I think that you know, it brings now the opportunity for him maybe to enter back into first team football. Probably a step closer. Let's see how his, how his ankle um, reacts to tonight's game. But if it went, went to plan and it's come through unscathed, then it's absolutely awesome. Well, that was um, Paul Tisdale talking about the, the match. Right, Dan, you, you kind of alluded to a moment ago. FA Cup of the weekend, Forest Green Rovers. 
Jamie, I mean, Sissy, you got to be, you know, do you think they'll be confident of making it through? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's always good to, to go into the game on the back of a win. I mean, now Accrington won, I don't think many will lose, as you said, lose too much sleep over the Chelsea game. We expect a completely different team, really. You know, I was there earlier this season in September when we won 3-1, and it was a very comfortable comfortable game, comfortable win. Forest Green were pretty poor. Um, you know, all our goals came from bad defending mistakes, scoreboard mistakes, really. But since then, um, you know, they've really picked up form. Um, that, you know, when we went in September, they were bottom of the league, won once, I think, all season. Now they've won five of the last nine, so it's going to be a really tough game. Um, you know, City haven't been very consistent themselves recently, so you know it's going to be it's, it's going to be a difficult game. But I think you know that win on Accrington will give the players such a massive boost, which was needed after that Crawley defeat. Um, it gives the whole place a big lift. And um, but you know, as, as Tisdale said, um, I spoke to him Monday. It's a cup game. Form goes out the window. It's all to play for. Winner takes all. And um, you know. As we're going to come on to a place in the third round of weeks, which you know, as Tisdale said, gives that players the extra motivation um, that they need, you know, to to play a, a Premier League team. So it's going to be a, a tough game, but you know, I'm really looking forward to it. Love, got to love a cup game. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, City have already been in them once this season, so I mean, but by all accounts, Forest Greeners have improved quite a bit since then. So uh, you think City will go in as favourites? Slight favourites, I think, just based on league position but um, you know I, I would expect a tough game and to be honest I wouldn't bet a, a, against a draw and a replay because um, that game in September Forest Green they didn't play too bad when they had the ball it was just poor poor errors which, which cost them dear and Mark Cooper's clearly you know worked on their defence and, and, and sorted it out a bit I think they were a few issues off the pitch as well with um, their captain Liam Noble. I think he fell out with him and he's he's left now. But um, yeah, they've picked up and um, you know they got Christian Doidge up front who scored twelve goals. He scored you know seven and five as well. So he's going to be a real a real danger for, for City. So yeah, it, it will be a tough game. I think yeah. Mm, yeah. David, as, as Jamie said, placed in the third round coming up now. Previous season, City have, have you know relied on some pretty pretty massive third round games to, to really help them financially. I guess they're not quite in those sort of financial situations now, but even so a place in the third round would be uh, would be pretty welcome. Well for both these sides really, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, you know, it's exposure, isn't it? Obviously it depends who you get in the third round, but you know, you get a big side, suddenly you've got match of the day coming down, that sort of thing, and that's that can be huge for a club and, you know, um, it can really massively boost the side's budget if they if they do get a, a third round tie, it happens to came or get a, big third round tie it happened to, to Cambridge a couple of seasons ago it happened to Exeter with Liverpool uh, last season especially as well so um, it you know that it's something not to be sniffed at really even even nowadays when clubs place less significance on the FA Cup in, in the Premier League uh, you know the lower, lower clubs like, like Exeter and, and Forest Green can use it to their advantage I mean Obviously, Forest Green have got quite a wealthy owner, so they're in a, a bit of a different position to City. But equally, they they're a club who like seem to like to to court some publicity in a way with the the whole vegetarian thing and that sort of thing. So I'm sure they won't be they won't turn a, a place in the, the third down mm -hmm. third 
around Dan either. Mm. Dan, we've already talked about formations, but can you see Tiz making any changes personnel-wise? Um, you potentially going to have to be one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah you'd hope it doesn't go with the same lineup that started, or even worse, yeah. finished on, yeah. on Tuesday night. But from Saturday, um, I suppose the obvious one: Troy Brown limped off injured. If he, you know, if he's fit, like he starts. But if not, then you know, Troy Archibald handles the obvious player to come in. But whether he not you know, Archie Collins. No, and I, I, you know he would be the ob- he'd be the obvious solution to slot in at the centre half, providing, of course, he's fit, and that's. You know, Tis likes to mix things up. Yeah, well, you know, Jordan Story. I'm um, sort of. I don't think he you know disgraced himself at all last night in the at centre back. He'd be probably the next one, you know, the next player to come into that position. He played in the centre of the, the back three last night. You know, had a reasonably good game, so would would probably come in if Troy Archibald Henry not. Fit. I mean, going further forward, I can't really see too many changes, if any. You'd think um, Ruben Riedel, he got his goal, but the performance probably didn't. He didn't do enough performance-wise, I don't think, to to force either McIlinden or Stockley out of the side last night. Ryan Harley, obviously, he's back fit, but probably not fit. I wouldn't have thought to start. Yeah, you'd expect him on the bad. I thought he'd probably be on the bench, but again, not going to start at this stage. You, You'd be looking probably one change, and that's you know at centre half depending on on injuries. You know it's going to be a, you know pretty much everyone was rested last night, so you're going to be it's going to be a full strength side. I would have mm. you thought or hoped. David, is that how you see it as well? Yeah, I can't. You know, Tiz isn't one to change over winning side, is he? So all depends on on Troy Brown really. I, I think yeah. Mm. On that note, I mean, Jamie, you, you spoke to Tiz on Monday, and I think you asked him about Troy Brown, right? So he didn't give a great deal away, but do you want to sort of tell us what? No, I mean, when I spoke to him, it was quite, still quite soon since it happened. Um, he said it, it was a knee injury, um, which he thinks is the same one that he had at Wembley in the playoff final. Um, yeah, he just said it was too early to tell. I think he's having a scan um, within the next couple of days, so um, maybe when Dave speaks to him at the press call on Thursday, he might be able to, to shed some more light on it. But, um, you know, he, he limped off quite heavily. Um, you know, he had to almost be carried off and there were one or two rumours that he, he left the ground on, on crutches after the games which obviously wouldn't be good news um, so it would be a blow but you know Troy Archibald would do ever so well on, on Saturday so he'd be a great replacement um, for him so um, yes as Tizzle said fingers crossed it's not too bad mm-hmm. well David you caught up with um, Reuben Reid I think didn't you so let's um, have a listen to what he has said about the game coming up it was a game where we set up in a way to, you know, sort of, we knew from the start they were going to have um, the majority of the ball. And um, it did pan out that way. We managed to create certain scenarios that were good. It would enable us to go in, um, you know, a goal up. Unfortunately, we conceded three really poor goals, really, where despite their possession, we, um, we kind of gave them three goals, which enabled them to win the game, which is disappointing. But, yeah, good workout. And um, it was a competitive game. And I think... Um, all of us on that field can learn, can take a lot from that team as well. Even though they're, they're young in age, you know, the way they move the ball, how comfortable they are, the movement, their athleticism is a big, um, was a big positive for them. And it's, um, it's quite refreshing to see that, yeah. And I suppose quite a few uh, young players on Sofa City as well, playing against players sort of their age, you know, like 
at Hudson Adoy, yeah. who obviously won the won the under seventy World Cup. So, you know, for, for the young City players, you know, they can take a lot from holding their own pretty much against those yeah. sort of players. As I said, even me, I'm a, I'm quite experienced, you know, and um myself, I, I'm learning from those guys, you know, how where they take the balls in certain areas, how they move, how dynamic they are, how confident they are, but what you gotta understand is those guys play that pattern every day with each other and they, they're, a, they're a tight-knit squad, they're a team itself, you know, it's, it's, it's the lads who've come in and made their debuts for the club, you know, congratulations to them and they, they, they put them, you know, they, um, despite their, this scenario, they put, they put a good show of themselves and I guess that's what it's all about really, but they can, you know, they can, it's something they can aspire to, you know, looking bloody hell, do you know what I mean, those guys, they won the World Cup, I'm, I'm on the same level, I can, be on the, I can be at that level type thing and beyond, so... Yeah, it's, it's positive for the younger lads who play tonight as well. And uh, obviously you got your first goal for a while. I know you've been saying it's sort of more about performances for you, but good, is it good to sort of get that monkey off the back in the way and, and, and find the back of the net again? Yeah, um, obviously that's what I'm going to be. I'm out there doing. It's not, as I said before, it's not at the forefront of my mind. But of course, you know, when you do score, it, it puts your team in a position to win the game. And that's what I need to be doing, you know, um, is scoring. So, yeah, it's good to... Um, it's good, always good to score, you know, in a nutshell. But as I said, I, I'm more... My, what's at the forefront of my mind is how I interact in the game, you know, with the ball and, you know, how I can um, influence the game, which is more which is more important to me. And as I said, once you're doing that, you, your, your goals will come. And uh, a trip to Forest Green on, on, on Saturday in the Cup, uh, you know, a, a side you've beaten already and, you know, a potential, you know, Premier League opposition if you, if you can get a win. But... Is, have you got to sort of put that to the back of your mind for the moment? Uh, you know, just focus on on this game coming well, up. I don't think you can look beyond the game that you've not. You can't look to a fixture that you've not potentially got yet. I mean, I think they've um, they've had an upturn really in performances and a, and a few results. Even though I look, I don't look too deeply at the moment at the league table and what other teams are doing. I'm more concentrate on what we're doing. But um, I think they're um, they'll probably be in a better position, you know, mentally and whatnot. Um, despite from, from the last time we, we played them, I should say. So, you know, it's going to be a test. And listen, the FA Cup games, with that crazy ball that we use as well, is <laughs> that light ball that goes anyway. It's always an off, um, you know, it's always an isolated fixture. So I wouldn't um, take anything from the last result. We know it's going to go and it's a different game. It's a nice tight pitch. They looked at, they looked to play last time. We're a different team from what we was then. So who knows what could happen on day. But obviously, yeah, your, um, your prize is who... You know, or being in the hat the next day, it'll be nice to um, nice to be in a draw, yeah. And is, is there sort of that much of a, of a bigger difference between the between the balls then? Because it, you know, it's impossible to tell from from watching it on the well, I, on the sideline. I don't. I think those balls should be banned, really. That FA Cup ball. I don't. They tried to. Um, a lot of the guys, they're trying to say that um, that's the ball that they're using the Premiership proper. But I'm I'm not convinced because it's not a good ball at all. <laughs> I I I hate I hate using it and I hate the FA Cup games because of the football. The way it feels on your foot, the way the way it moves, but yeah, it's um, it's really hard to get hold of. I should <laughs> say, yeah, it's really hard to trap and shoot as well. So, yeah, maybe I'm making excuses. De Bruyne seems to be able to kick it quite well, so <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just me. But yeah, I, I'm not a fan of the ball at all. But um, yeah, that makes for for me in my mind that makes for a different game. Just that's something as trivial trivial as that. And I, I guess at least as a positive, you've got the ball to to train with beforehand, haven't you? Yeah, but bloody hell, when they go cold, they hurt your feet as well. Oh, it's, like, really? it's like a ball that you get on bloody Weymouth Beach with the little <laughs> ones. You know, it moves all around you. I don't, I don't think the keepers will like it, but yeah, we train with them the day before and um, we try and get used to them as much as we can. 
That was uh, Ruben Reed there. Um, I guess it's that time of the, the podcast again. I need to ask you for predictions. Uh, I mean, David, how can you see uh, this weekend panning out? Uh, a T1 win to, to City, I'll go. Mm-hmm. Dan? Uh, I'm going to go for a, for a one-all draw, forcing everyone to, to freeze on a, on a cold Tuesday night in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs> Quivering already at the thought of that one. Um, Jamie, what do you reckon? Yeah, I wouldn't bet against a draw and a replay, but... I'm going to go for a narrow 2-1 City win as well. 2-1 City, I reckon. Okay. Right, we'll round things off with um, a question or two. Um, Anthony Beveridge, he's got in touch with us. He's asked, um, who would you drop if Ryan Harley is fit? Um, uh, Dan, I think you mentioned something about whether Harley was kind of fit to, fit to play or not, but I mean, uh, who would you drop if, or who can you see making way if Harley is uh, fit enough to make a return? Uh, well, you, I think we're probably looking a couple of weeks down the line mm. to, before we you know, fully match fit, ready to start games play 90 minutes but you kind of feel a 3-5-2 is the system that could get you know potentially get the best out of him because you know he's not in a midfield two and therefore having to do all that defensive work and the running that you know he often you know has been you know criticized in the past for not for not wanting to do and you know and he's also not shunted out on the left hand side where perhaps you know he doesn't get you know a chance to get involved creatively enough I mean you know he does do that, you know. He's done the defensive work in terms of he marked space particularly well, rather than marking players, which Paul Tisdale definitely likes. I mean, you kind of feel if you're looking at that midfield, probably Lloyd James is the one you'd say is the most vulnerable of the three alongside Boateng and and Taylor because you know Taylor's got that industry, the that drive going forward. I mean, Boateng's you know probably got the you know, the more the defensive side of the game, you know, can win the tackles. And also drive forward that allows Harley to, you know, to come in and be a little bit more creative as well. But that would probably be the most obvious solution. I mean, he potentially might go back, of course, to, you know, to a to a four four two system where Harley, if he does go back, so he's likely to slot it out on the left wing, and you know, either Holmes or Jay Taylor possibly on the right, if it if it does. But I guess obviously by the time. You know, you know, Jordan Tilson obviously come back as well. You know, could you know, for, you know, another option in that midfield as well. But you, you feel three five two definitely could could get the best out of of Harley as we've definitely you know seen in the past, sort of playing you know either on that left hand side for three or as a number more more of a number ten, linking up with the strikers, and you can definitely see you know his creativity slotting runs for McAlinden, you know, to run in behind you know, or bringing Stockley into the game. You know, could be a real threat. Mm. It was interesting, I think post-Accrington, I think Tiz was quite, he gave plenty of praise, didn't he, to, to Harley for, I think, sort of calling him a, a fine athlete, being able to come back after so long, out injured and play, um, play as he did, but uh, he also praised his defensive work, didn't he? Do you think that was that a slight sort of, uh, you know, leaping to his defence, given some of the, some of the criticism he can occasionally receive about, so not mucking out? Yeah, he does get a bit of stick, actually, Harley, from, from fans for not, um, as, as Dan pointed to, perhaps running back, and uh, he's never been that sort of player really—a a sprinter. He's more of a a casual um, sort of player, sort of like Berbatov was at, mm-hmm. at, at Tottenham. You know, he's very laid back, I suppose. But when he does work hard, he's, he is one of the best. And you know, as, as Tisdale said after that the Chelsea game, that you know, I saw a little bit of actually the highlights, and you know, he does—he can get stuck in, and you know. He, on his day, he's one of the best in the league. I'd say, you know, he was absolutely brilliant. You know, 
when he signed for us and you know he, he had everything you know he's a ball winner um, a great distributor as well and a goal scorer as well um, you know maybe because he's been in and out of the team with with injuries um, he hasn't got that rhythm back yet but you know once he gets a, a run of games I'm sure we you know he is as good as anyone and um, you know so I, yeah I, I do think it was a little a little uh, reminder to the fans how valuable he is and I think yeah Tisdale said he's the best defender he's had at the club and it'd be hard to argue for me because you know like I said Harley's as good as anyone on his day. Mm. Brilliant well I think that wraps things up for this um, this week thanks very much for joining us and uh, tune in again next week for another edition of uh, Grecian's Gossip.